had gotten up to a billion dollars, unfortunately, there was a hundred million winners. <laughs> so everybody got ten dollars each. Won the lot the billion dollar lottery and got ten dollars, you know. Uh, but uh, in today's lesson in Red, Red Sea prayers, you know, so Israel finds itself at the Red Sea trapped with the devil or Pharaoh and his army uh, on one side coming at them with the chariot wheels uh, with the big blades on them and everything and stuck against the Red Sea. And uh, they look to the right, look to their left, there's nowhere to go. So it ends up, you know, where else can you look but up, right? And you get trapped like that. There's no answer. There's no way out. Uh, they had to look up. Uh, and so we read the text. Uh, the people, the sons of Israel, uh, saw what was happening, and they got so frightened, so very frightened, the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. So they finally turned to the Lord in complete dependence and uh, begged Him for help. And during these seaside prayers like this, fear has a good result. Because it puts us totally dependent on the Lord. Uh, and that's where God wants us. He wants us to be dependent, to trust Him, to live by faith. So in, in the book, Red Sea Rules, uh, the author Morgan says God brings us to those places that scare us like that so that He may bring us to our knees. Uh, prayer tends to calm us when we're on our knees and we've got these kind of situations, we've got a place to go. We've got a refuge. We've got a God who cares, who loves us. So it calms us, has a calming effect. It's an outlet. It's a reliable place to go. So when you can't go forward, sideward, or back, the time uh, you have to go up to the Lord and talk to Him. And we find ourselves like David in uh, 1 Samuel 22. Remember the cave of Adullam? Uh, he, he's got nowhere to go, and he finds himself hiding in this deep, dark cave of Adullam. Uh, it looked like King Saul was, had him cornered and going to kill him. And David wrote about how he felt about that in Psalm 107. And he said, In my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Uh, and that's really, when we run into this kind of problem, Red Sea prayer, crisis prayer, uh, that's really what we're doing. We're crying out to the Lord. Uh, we've got nowhere else to go, and it's an absolute emergency. Fortunately, we have a personal God who's involved in our life, who cares about us, who loves us, who wants to help. Uh, that's the good news. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote, I think we have a, yeah, God has determined that his actions of love and mercy go hand in hand with his people's response in faith. God's plan is to govern the church, to govern believers like a partnership. We're involved in the ministry. We're involved with his program and his will. God granted believers a role in what you might call causality, the way things happen. Uh, and he likens it to a playwright. He says, think of a playwright who allows his characters to affect the play and then incorporates all their actions into the final result he has already determined. So the scenes and the conclusion are fixed by the author God, but the details are left to the actors in the play 
to improvise. And that's what life is like. We can make any decision and go wherever we want to do, do whatever we want to do. But God uh, had already written the beginning and he's already written the end. And he's just allowing us to be in this sort of partnership where we communicate and have this relationship with him through prayer uh, in which we're involved in getting his will accomplished, that end result uh, finally done. And so that's God's view of prayer. And what I uh, did for you uh, was put together a, uh, you might hopefully got it this morning if you looked at your email, uh, a doctrinal statement. And, and, you know, this goes back to my days at the seminary when we studied all this. Uh, so I had to do an outline of uh, the doctrine of prayer in the Bible. And so uh, you can have it up out there. And like I said, I, I emailed it to you. So if you want to go back and look at it uh, later on your computer or your phone or whatever, you can do that. I'm going to go through it about as fast as I can. Uh, first of all, obviously, who are you praying to? God the Father. So you have a Trinitarian situation here that's involved in prayer. You're praying to God. God has the plan, the will, and the decree. And you pray through Jesus, because Jesus is our access to God the Father. Nobody comes to God except through Jesus. So we pray to God through Jesus and in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So you have all three persons of the Godhead involved in the Trinity. We're commanded in Ephesians 6.18, pray at all times in the Spirit. Uh, in the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about what that means in a little while. Uh, but uh, basically, uh, you're praying uh, along with God's will about His program and entrusting the prayer to God by faith. All right? Um, and then the elements of prayer, what, what's involved, you know, you, you've got adoration, you start off. And, and if you look at all the major prayers in the Bible, they all have uh, these in there somewhere and said in different ways. But you have an adoration for the Lord that you start off with, praising God, ta talking about God's attributes, uh, and then, then a, a confession. Uh, you humble yourself before the Lord and you acknowledge uh, that you have sin and that you need Him, you need a Savior, and that God has provided it. Uh, uh, and if you have any specific sins that you haven't confessed, it's a good time to do that as well, to get those out there on the table, uh, because He wants to help you overcome those. Uh, and of course, the uh, results of the confession is God's divine mercy and forgiveness. He wants to help you. He wants to forgive you, but He wants you to acknowledge it so you can overcome it in the future and grow from it. Um, illustrations of confession, you know, in the Bible that, that you probably are aware of, the prodigal son. You know, the text says after he'd made all the big mistakes and everything, he finally came to his senses and he came back to the father and asked for forgiveness. And of course, that's an image of our relationship with God uh, in that parable. Uh, the tax collector in Luke 18 uh, came before the Lord. You know, you've got the self-righteous Pharisee there in Luke 18 who says, boy, I'm sure glad I'm not like these sinners. 
I'm, you know, I'm a righteous man. I deserve, you know, my prayers answered. They were all there praying and everything. But the tax collector was the opposite. The tax collector uh, goes to the Lord in prayer saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And, of course, God responds to that. God likes that acknowledgement uh, that we understand that uh, and that we come to him for that forgiveness. Uh, David uh, gave some great prayers asking forgiveness, like Psalm 51, verse 1 through 9. He says, I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me, O Lord. Thank you for forgiving me. Um, Daniel has a great confession, not only himself, but his, his countrymen, his whole country, uh, he confesses. Uh, and then uh, there's also intercessory prayers and quite often in our prayers, we, have, we intercede for others. We pray for others. Uh, and so it's a good idea to pray for your leaders. And you have the uh, passages there that tell you to do that. Uh, I know uh, the Apostle Paul in his epistles, he always prayed for the leaders of the church. Um, and then, of course, you're interceding um, by the church uh, and for the church uh, giving uh, intercession or praying for all the saints. Um, and then requests, you know, you're, you're, you're bringing petitions before the Lord. Uh, for, Lord, convict me of, of uh, any sin that, I, that I'm not aware of. Uh, I, in Psalm 139, the, the psalmist says, Search me, O Lord, and know my heart, and see if there's any uh, hurt, heartfelt way in me, anything that's wrong with me that I haven't thought of or haven't uh, already confessed. Uh, and then you ask him for your daily needs, uh, that you see that in the Lord's Prayer, and for help in anything that's going on in your life, for instruction, for mercy, grace that you may need. Uh, we all have health issues that we pray about, uh, spiritual growth, wisdom, for the ministry uh, that you're aware of or that you're involved in, you pray for. Um, so, uh, you also have expressions of submission. In other words, uh, a lot of the prayers, including Jesus' prayer at the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? He said, uh, uh, is there a plan B? <laughs> you know, they're getting ready to arrest him, and he knew what was in store, and he said... Uh, is there any other way out of this? But, of course, he came back to, but not my will, but your will be done. And so his will in the flesh, he didn't want physical pain. He didn't want all the humiliation. Uh, but he, at the end of the day, wanted the will of God. And so that's the submission that we come with before the Lord. Uh, Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, prayed to the Lord three times to take away the physical pain, the thorn in the flesh that he had, but he, he realized that that wasn't going to happen. And he submitted to this because God had made him aware of the fact, this keeps you humble. You're a very proud man, Paul, and this keeps you humble, and I can use you in the ministry uh, when you're a humble man but not when you're proud. And so uh, Paul submitted to, to that. Um, and then thanksgiving. We're always thanking him and praising him for all the, the blessings and the good things that have come our way. Um, we're always thanking the Lord. That's a, a great uh, 
part of prayer because it really gets your mindset straight uh, as we're praying to the Lord. And so always be thankful. You can always find things to think about. Uh, and, and I know in uh, Philippians 4, Paul was in jail awaiting execution. I can't think of anything much worse than that. Uh, and he kind of gave them a sample prayer. When, you're, when you fear like this, when you have this kind of uh, problem, he said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so he was actually saying, you know, I'm in big trouble, but Lord, thank you for putting me here. Because I have been allowed, I have had the blessing, he had uh, converted a bunch of the guards there. And he had uh, been in Rome, and, and the church there in Rome had come and visit him, and he had uh, gotten them to come out of the closet, so to speak, and out into the streets of Rome and sharing the gospel. Uh, and because of his imprisonment, all kinds of great things were happening for the Lord. And so he was thankful for that. Uh, even though it seemed like he didn't have anything to be thankful for, he totally did. The manner of prayer, uh, we're told, you pray uh, according to God's will in faith. You come to the Lord in great faith that he's there, that he cares, that he's going to answer your prayer. You're praying, as I said earlier, through the name of Jesus. That's your access. It's a personal and private prayer. Jesus says in Matthew 6, don't be like the hypocrites, the Pharisees. All of their prayers are for people to see. And they spend you know, long hours writing these prayers and then memorizing them so they can impress people. He says, but you, uh, you don't do it for that motivation. You do it because this is sincere prayer of yours to the Lord. So he uses the uh, image, go in a closet somewhere by yourself, you know, and pray to the Lord, uh, you and him. Uh, he doesn't mean that, I don't think, literally. He's just saying your prayer should be sincere and between you and the Lord uh, and a very private thing involved. On the other hand, there's also corporate prayer that's very common in the Bible. And uh, as he says uh, when he's talking, you know, the dedication of the temple in 2 Chronicles 7, he tells Israel through the Solomon, he says, if in the future you guys ever blow it uh, and you fall under my discipline, but you want to confess and return, he says, if my people as a corporate group, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, right, and come back to me and confess their sins, I will be faithful to forgive them. So a corporate prayer. A fervency, you know, uh, we're told many times, pray fervently, you know, just with great intensity and fervency. Um, not only are we asking God to forgive us, but we also are promising to forgive others in our prayers. And a prayer with perseverance. Uh, Jesus told the parable, several parables of the widow and uh, uh, several others to, to illustrate that we're to be, have perseverance and continue to pray constantly uh, as we're awaiting an answer. And of course, Hebrews 10, we're told, let us draw near as a, with a sincere heart in full assurance 
of the faith. And so with great sincerity, we approach the Lord. Uh, motives for prayer, uh, we have a belief. We, we entrust ourselves to the Lord. We believe that God hears and that God cares and that God loves us. Uh, and we have needs that we believe need to be met. And also we want to rejoice. We want to praise God, express ourselves to Him in that way, uh, that we are thankful. And it's part of our worship uh, to Him is our prayer life. And uh, so we want to be obedient to that as the Bible tells us to do that. Uh, the value of prayer, it expresses our faith in His presence. So when we come to the Lord, you know, we're, we're expressing that we believe in Him, that we have faith in Him, and that we're completely dependent on Him. Um, and prayer brings blessing. God has promised to bless us if we will approach Him in that way. Uh, prayer brings help. Um, we're told, Hebrews 4, 16, pray that we may receive mercy and grace. Uh, prayer brings understanding. Jeremiah 33 said, Call to me and I will answer and tell you great things which you do not know. Uh, so prayer strengthens against temptation. So when we're tempted, the best way to go is to prayer, right? Because those temptations are powerful. We have desires in us. We want things. And when that bait is hung out there in front of us, Right? If it's left to us, if we don't have any help, if we don't start thinking about something besides ourselves, we're going to take the bait. And that hook is going to be set. Right? And that's self-destructive. Uh, hindrances to prayer. Uh, biblically, and then we give the passages there, the hindrance to prayer, you've got disobedience. Um, so, all through the Old Testament, the prophets are sent to, with that message of God says, I'm bringing an army against you. I'm bringing disaster upon you, a drought upon you, or whatever, uh, because of your disobedience. Uh, James says, when you pray, don't pray with a doubt or what he calls a double-minded prayer, uh, hedging your bets. And it's, it's kind of like uh, when Israel, when Assyria... Uh, attacked Jer Jerusalem, what'd they do? They went and prayed real hard, and then they sent some envoys down to Egypt to ask for a mutual defense pact. <laughs> so they were really hoping is uh, Egypt would send an army up to help them. So they were hedging their bets, see? Uh, and that's what he was talking about. Um that doubt, that double-mindedness. We're praying, but we really don't believe it. You know, we're doing something else. Uh, arrogance. God is opposed to the proud, James says. Anxiety uh, hinders prayer. Hypocrisy. And, and he uses, of course, over and over, his whipping, Jesus' whipping boys were the, the uh, Pharisees. They were the, the worst. Uh, wrong motives, again, James says. You ask and do not get, and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. So God knows your heart. God knows where you're coming from. Uh, and then, of course, unconfessed sin. Uh, John says in John 9, we know that God does not hear sinners. So God expects you to clean up your act 
before you come before him. If you're involved in, in some kind of gross sins, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for you to come to the Lord and say, uh, I know I'm involved in all this stuff, but uh, I would like you to do this for me. You know, I'm completely disobedient to you, but I want you to give me, you know, that's, that's the, what, it's warning, what he's warning against there. And then lastly, uh, canned prayers. What are we talking about there? Prayers that are memorized without understanding. Uh, one time, uh, just a trick, you know, a, a Bible study I was teaching. Um, I said, did everybody memorize the Lord's Prayer? And they all did, you know. And so, so let's say it together. We said, so I jumped on some of those words that are in there, you know. And I said, what does this mean? And they all just kind of went, uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's great to memorize prayer if you know what the words mean. <laughs> right? Uh, and so, you know, that's what I have against, you know, just memorize prayer or just praying, you know, without mi any mind in it, no heart in it. You think, uh, all we need to do is just say this prayer and it'll happen. It's like a magic incantation or something. No! God knows what's in your heart. He wants a sincere prayer. Uh, and it's fine to memorize those kind of prayers if you know what it's actually saying. And you mean it. And so, can prayers without understanding, meaningless repetition, Jesus calls it in Matthew 6. God doesn't like that. Uh, great prayers in the Bible. Uh, Jacob's prayer is, is probably the, the one to go to if you want to break a prayer down. Uh, Jacob's prayer in Genesis 32, he comes to the Lord, expresses his humility, uh, and then he, he uh, prays according to God's word that he already knows. Uh, he acknowledges the God of Abraham as the one true God. He confesses his sin. Uh, he has praise for God's past blessings. Everything I have, Lord, you've blessed me with. Uh, he brings a petition, save me from Esau. Uh, and then he has an expression of faith in God's promises. I know you're going to take care of me. You brought me this far. You've always uh, helped me. And I believe you will again. Uh, so uh, it was a... Uh, a great uh, uh, model prayer for us. Others in the Bible, Moses gives a great prayer in Exodus 32, interceding for Israel. Uh, David in Psalm 22. Solomon in 1 Kings. Hezekiah is a great one to look at. And, and here's why. Because people always say, uh, quite often they say, well, if God has foreknowledge, right? right? God's sovereign, right? So if he already knows, and he's already got everything planned out, what's the point of us praying? We'll talk about this more in a minute. But the prayer of Hezekiah, God, as soon as he finished praying through the prophet Isaiah, uh, Hezekiah is told, because you have humbled yourself and prayed to me, the Assyrian army will not come in, in these walls. Not only that, they're not even going to shoot an arrow over the wall. I'm going to take them out. And he did. Right? So God actually said, I have answered your prayer. God delights in, in doing his will because of our prayer. 
Try to get your arms around that. He had already determined he was going to do that, but he wanted to do it through the prayer of Hezekiah. So Hezekiah became a partner, you might say, in uh, this salvation of Jerusalem at that time. Uh, Habakkuk uh, has a great prayer of praise for the Lord. Um, and and it's, he, Habakkuk says, hey, listen, no matter what happens, because he had to pray and tell, he had to uh, preach and tell Israel that some bad stuff was coming. The discipline that they deserved was coming. And uh, Habakkuk says, if the economy goes to nothing, if the stock market falls uh, 2,000 points, uh, that couldn't happen, could it? <laughs> that would never happen. But if it does, he says, I will still praise the Lord and rejoice in the Lord. All right? Uh, and then praying in the Spirit, which we'll uh, define in a minute. And then uh, I want to define some of the uh, prayer. Uh, has a hundred different definitions I found out when I uh, started looking through all the commentaries and theology books and then went online, you know, and we look, looked at Webster's and the whole deal. So here's uh, some of the definitions of prayer I found. The act of humans attempting to communicate with God. I think that was out of the dictionary, Webster's. Uh, the act of commu communicating with God through praise, worship, thanksgiving, petition. Uh, prayer is the act of attempting to see reality from God's point of view. So you know that there's a God in heaven who sees things different than you do, and you try to pray uh, according to the way he sees them. The act of following Jesus' example. Uh, fifthly, uh, and this is, this is the big one to me. Look at, look at number five and pay attention to it closely. Prayer is the act of developing and maintaining my relationship with God. You probably know, you've probably heard many times that biblical Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with the living God. We have a personal God that wants a relationship with us. And a big part of that relationship is the communication. And of course, prayer. Right? So prayer is the act of developing and maintaining my relationship that I have with God. It is God's designated way of experiencing, of us experiencing the relationship. James 4, 8 says, Come near to God and He will come near to you. So as you pray constantly and you develop your prayer life so it becomes a way of life so that you're think, even thinking that way all the time, uh, this relationship that you have with Him becomes more intimate and more meaningful. Uh, through this communication. Alright? Uh, six is a short but very sound definition. Prayer is the sound that faith makes. So when you come to the Lord and pray to Him, seeking His help, totally depending on Him, uh, you're doing that by faith. Prayer is the sound that faith makes as you trust in Him, and you communicate that trust. Prayer is our attempt to open up and be honest with God like we never 
can be with people. We can't really talk to people this way because we don't want them inside that deep and to know every little thought that we're thinking that God knows, right? We kind of guard ourselves. We have to put kind of a front up because we don't know, we don't want people to know how badly we're hurting or any of the uh, sins that we have that we should be confessing to the Lord uh, that he will put up with, but people won't, right? And so this is our time to come before the Lord and really be ourself. That, that's a, a great thing, isn't it? That you can come before the Lord and look at David's prayers in, in the Psalms if you want to see what I'm talking about. David really opened up and just laid it out there. When he was mad, he just let it fly. When he was frustrated, he did. When he'd been praying and, and not getting an answer, he said, where are you? I pray day and night. And, you know, and he just, this is what he's thinking. This is what he's feeling. And he just lets it go. And, and that's what prayer should be uh, between us and God. We can't really be like that with people, like we can do it with the Lord. Uh, prayer is that point in time that we stop being God ourselves and let Him be God that we finally let go of us controlling everything and we turn it over to Him. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, Prayer is trusting God with stuff He already knows. <laughs> it is the persistent pursuit of a genuine desire for change. It is therefore a key element of spiritual growth. So as we're praying, part of that is, Lord, uh, help me overcome this. Help me get better from this. Help me, you know... So it's a key element in spiritual growth. And of course, number 12, prayer is a declaration of dependence upon God. Uh, and then going back to what we said earlier um, from C.S. Lewis, God has chosen to join us. He's chosen us to join Him in partnership to accomplish kingdom work on earth. So He's saying, I want you to be involved in my will. I want you to be involved in my ministry. I could do this without you. It's not a problem. Right? I created by my word. I could do that. But I've chosen uh, to have a relationship with you and use you as a vital part of what I'm doing. So prayer is the process of us becoming available for God's program. We're God's fellow workers and we turn in prayer uh, to equip us for the work. Prayer is cooperation with God and the communion that results from our partnership with God. Okay? Uh, now, some questions that I get asked about prayer, just a few uh, selected ones real quick. Why is prayer so universal? Because people say, well, the, the, the Muslims pray, the, the Hindus pray. I mean, it seems like every religion prays. Exactly. It's in every culture and every religion. Uh, I saw a Barna poll about prayer, and he said more people believe in prayer than believe in God. Does that blow your mind? It's true. Atheists actually pray. Uh, people from every religion pray. People who don't, you know, agnostics that don't know anything. I don't know what I believe, but when I need to, I pray. 
When I get in trouble, I pray, right? So prayer is a huge part of being a human being. And why? Because we all have a God-shaped vacuum in our heart, in our soul. We are born with the inbred knowledge. It's in our DNA that God is there and that we need Him. And so people need to break the silence between God and man. We need that. Right? We need that communication. Uh, why do some prayers go unanswered? I remember uh, years ago at a Bible study, a guy I'd known in the real estate business, knew him really well, so I could joke around with him. But he came up and said, uh, I want, will you pray for me this week? And I said, sure, what, what's going on? He said, I got this real estate deal I've been working on for two years, and I think we're going to get it closed. Pray that we get this baby closed. It's my big payday. I said, I will pray for you. I'll pray that God will crush you. <laughs> and you will lose the deal. And He will bring you on your knees begging for help. And He said, never mind. <laughs> there are four answers to prayer, by the way. You know, when you're thinking about why do they go unanswered, four answers uh, God can give for prayer. Yes, no, later, meaning the timing's not right, we're going to do this later. And the fourth one is, You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and then uh, people think they have, uh, you know, entitlement, you might call it. Uh, and they say, well, I'm, I'm obedient. I do a lot of good works. I'm a good person. Shouldn't I have the right to expect my prayers to be answered? If we do this, what have we done? We've made prayer like a transaction. Okay, I need to build up brownie points. You know, you probably went to a camp where you had to, you know, get the merits or demerits or whatever. Uh, some of the guys I know here got nothing but demerits. <laughs> but uh, no, that's not what it's about at all. Uh, it's about God's will and for us wanting to uh, see God's will done, not my will. Uh, we don't want to make this some kind of magic incantation that, that we have, you know. Um, the, the next one is, why praise God who doesn't need it? If God's all-powerful and all-knowing, already has all this glory, why in the world should I pray and praise Him and thank Him for all this? He doesn't need it, does He? Why inform God who already knows everything? Well, here's, here's the deal. He doesn't need it. We do. We need God to be on His throne. The very nature of prayer is that God is powerful and He's the one that can answer this prayer. I can't get this done. I can't solve this problem. Pharaoh's army is coming. The Red Sea is deep and cold. I'm trapped. I can't solve this. I need God to do it. We need God on His throne. Another question. Why is persistence in prayer so important? Why, why not just tell Him once and that'd be enough? I mean, what's the deal with this guy? 
Uh, he says in uh, Matthew 7, Jesus says, when you come to the Lord, come with perseverance and persistence. And to illustrate that, he says, ask, seek, and knock. Three different things. What's it, what does he mean? Here's what I think he means. Ask, when you have, it's a passive thing, like you want wisdom, something God alone can just give you. You ask for it. Uh, if it's a prayer like, uh, Lord, make me knowledgeable. That's the seek. Okay, I'll help you with this. But see, I've given you this, and it's up to you to study it and read it. You want to be knowledgeable? Get to work, bud. That's the seeking. That's the seeking. And then knocking uh, presumes there's a closed door that we can't get through. We're trying to get it open, right? So it takes perseverance and persistence. You've got to continue to knock. You've got to come every day until that door opens. So persistence in those prayers. Uh, what about prayer and physical healing? Well, I don't think there's any controlling formulas. If we just pray this way, or if we have this amount of people pray for this, then God will have to answer this prayer. Of course not. That's ridiculous. Uh, it's totally up to the Lord. Uh, there's no controlling uh, formulas. Uh, think about Jesus when He came into the world. He healed a few paralytics, but He did not destroy the polio virus. He left it. And I think he left it on purpose. He's got a reason for these things, right? Uh, he fed the 5,000, but he left a whole bunch of other people starving, right? He didn't fix those problems. He could have, but he didn't. That wasn't his will. So he may heal. He can. He may heal. He does it all the time, probably. Miracles. I believe in them. But you can't force him... <laughs> to do these things, right? Uh, and so you come to Him not knowing, but still praying. Why? To express your dependence and your faith in Him. And at the end of the day, you're like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. So you submit to that. And then the praying in the Spirit that I mentioned earlier. Very important. Uh, we're told several times to do that. This is a sincere prayer, so it's not a memorized prayer. It's not, uh, now I lay me down to sleep type deal. No emails on that, please. That's a wonderful prayer. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but it's sincere prayer in which you are truly focusing on God as opposed to reciting memorized can prayer or going through the motions. The Holy Spirit, knowing that sincerity and that trust and faith that you come with, intercedes for us then. We're told in Romans 8.26, the Holy Spirit knows what we need and what we're trying to say, even if we're not very good at it. Somebody called me one time, I got to do you know, this or that at such and such function. Will you write me up a prayer? I said, well, I'll, I'll help you. But it's got to be, you know, from your heart and what you're trying to express and what you want to say, right? That's praying in the Spirit, see? Uh, and that's, that's what we're told to do. Uh, and so it has mostly to do with faith. 
Faith's a funny thing, isn't it? And you, you probably heard the story about the guy who was standing on the edge of a cliff and rocks crumbled and he fell over the cliff and he grabbed a branch on the way down. He's hanging there, dangling in the air. And he says, is there anybody up there? Help! Is there anybody up there? And God's voice came down. And he said, yes, I'm here. Let go of the branch and I'll catch you. And then, the, and then the voice said, or he said, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> okay. So I need to wrap this up. Uh, I actually have too much here, but I need to wrap this up. Does prayer work? Does prayer change God? All through the Scriptures, we see that it does. All through the Scriptures, we see, because you have prayed, or according to the prayer, uh, God wants us to pray. He wants us to develop that relationship with Him, that communication with Him, and He wants to bring His will about through our prayers. That's how He has chosen to do it. So yes, prayer does change God in the sense that quite a few times, how about the, you know the story of Jonah, right? Story of Jonah? What was Jonah's message to Nineveh, the evil Assyrians? In 40 days, if you don't repent in 40 days, this, this whole town's going down, going to be wiped out. And what'd they do? They repented and believed, and came to the Lord in humility and confession. And so the Lord spared them and said, because Nineveh has prayed, because the king and all the people have prayed and confessed their sin, Nineveh will be spared. Did God change His mind? In a sense, He changed His mind. But what really happened was, God has already decided that if people come to Him with confession, contrition, and repentance, He will forgive them. He's already decided He'll do that. And every time in the Scriptures when people do that, they're always forgiven. Right? Yes, prayer changes God in that sense as we pray according to His attributes. He is merciful. He's forgiving. He's compassionate. And He wants you to come to Him and He wants to use your prayers in His ministry. Amen? Amen. Alright. Let me close in prayer, by the way. Lord, thank You so much for blessing us with Your Word and, and Your command of prayer because You know that's what we need. That You know it's a good thing for us. You don't need it. We need it. We need You to be on Your throne, Lord, and we need to be constantly expressing our trust and faith in You and our love for You and our appreciation for You with thankfulness all the time for all the blessings we receive. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.